Happy holidays to all you super draw Santas and your Anavar elves. I know that one was good. Let's say Endurable elves. I'll give Sarms a little love on this one. This is part two of our two-part podcast on coaching online. And this one is all about the other side of the aisle. And I'm Brandon Lirio, three-time Mr. Natural Olympia, and I'm here to tell you, you're the reason your online coach is failing. I've been doing this a long time. I think that I started coaching back at the end of 2013, which was like three, four years after I started actually competing and being in the fitness industry as a personal choice. And I've seen and heard it all. I'll actually start with one of my favorite stories in terms of communication between clients where I I gave somebody a diet that said that they were supposed to have in their diet once daily post-workout a scoop of protein. At the time, I wasn't specific in terms of how it should be ingested. So this person made it about three days into their program before they sent me an email back and said, look, man, I, I, I understand everybody takes protein. I just can't do it. And I said, why? What's the matter? Which brand do you use? How are you serving it? And they go, well, it's just that it's so dry. And I paused for a second and I said, are you eating it dry? And they said, well, it just says one scoop of protein. It doesn't say mix it with anything. That's when I found out that this person was literally dry spooning the protein into their mouth, trying to get it to wet so that they could swallow it. And that that's how they were ingesting the scoop of protein that I put on their plan. That one was a foul on me. But it brings me to the first portion in terms of why you might be to blame for the progress and results that your coach is not getting you. And that comes down to communication. I have certain people that when I send them their intake form, they will purposefully try to dissuade me from seeing how much of a beginner they are in their intake form. I don't care if you're a beginner. I don't care if you know anything about the gym or dieting. You came to me because I'm the subject matter expert, right? You came to your coach because you wanted their help with what you can't do yourself, So lying on the intake form in terms of what you like, what you don't like, what your last two days in terms of your diet looked like, how often you indulge in terms of cheat meals or alcohol, all of that stuff plays a factor in how quickly they expect you to sort of counteract what you're doing and roll into this new version of controlled uh, eating and, you know, uh, scheduling in terms of your fitness throughout the day so that you can get your expenditure in. Lying on those things so that you don't look like as much of a quote unquote mess as your real life is, is a problem. Because if we give you something where we consider it to be just one notch left of center from what you're already doing, to us that seems like, and us being coaches, seems like a small jump. But realistically, if we ask for a two-day diet journal and you say, well, once I have white fish and vegetables and then I have chicken and rice... We're going to look at it and go, all right, maybe it's the amount that they're taking in. This food's pretty clean. Maybe they're being too restrictive. So we give you a diet not knowing that you actually eat McDonald's three times a day. And that was just your ideal diet of what you would like to have been doing. Lying on your intake form doesn't help anybody, which, by the way, I don't even understand why you would lie. It literally will tell you, only tell us these things. And posturing up so that you don't look like what you're actually doing only ensures that we're writing a plan for somebody who you're not. So if you get an intake form or your coach 
to be asks a bunch of questions, information, family medical history. We're not here to judge. It's like walking into a rehab clinic and being like, oh yeah, no, I just smoke weed every once in a while, knowing that you just smoked crystal meth in the car and injected heroin two hours before you got there. You're not going to get the help you need if you don't give us the full picture of the situation that we're working with. Don't lie on your intake form. But the lying doesn't stop there. It can be embarrassing to own up to things that you've done throughout the week in terms of skipping workouts, skipping cardio, you know, not following the diet, altering things when you know you probably shouldn't, right? The main issue then becomes we're looking at these metrics in terms of measurable stimulus and measurable result. And if what we're looking at is not adding up, we're going to go back to the original figures. We're going to go back to the original expenditure. We're going to go back to what we wrote and say, I have to be missing something here. Maybe the way they're cooking it, maybe I miscalculated how sensitive they are to, um, you know, sugars as opposed to starchy carbohydrates. Maybe, you know, they're hypersensitive to the amount of fiber I have in there. All of these things might play a role. But us not knowing that realistically it's because you turned your one cheat hour into three solid cheat days means that we're missing the real problem. Arguably, the biggest problem there is not even that you didn't see the progress on the scale. I would argue that the biggest problem there is, one, you don't trust your coach enough to actually be honest with them. But two, the other problem is that means that you're engaging in destructive behavior that literally is pushing you away from the goal that you want. And we can't analyze it to try to get you to recognize when it's happening beforehand so that you can change the result when it happens again. The best thing that some of my clients do is tell me when they're struggling, even after they've already kind of broken their diet or started skipping days at the gym and going, here's what happened. This is what happened afterward. Well, then it's very easy for us to take a look at it and go, okay, listen, in the future, your triggers to know that you're going to cheat on your diet are X. Your triggers to know when you're going to skip the gym are Y, and we know that the stimulus is going to then cause Z. Action, result, impact. If you don't tell us those things, the only action we're seeing is that there is no action. And the result is an unhappy client who doesn't understand why the scale isn't changing or their muscle mass isn't changing or their maxes aren't changing, or that they're just simply not getting any better or healthier, depending on what progress you're actually tracking. Lying on your check-ins only ensures that everything you've been telling your friends before you hired a coach in terms of not understanding why your body is reacting the way it is will continue to happen until the day you get fed up and go, well, I guess fitness just doesn't work for me. Fitness works for just about everybody. I say just about because the availability of some people to do certain fitness is just very limited. If you're an able-bodied human being, especially one that lives in the Western world, there is a fitness out there for you, whether it be a different type of workout, whether it be moving the cardio into the workout, separating the cardio, you know, motivating you because you want to be a power lifter versus a bodybuilder versus a CrossFit champion. There is fitness out there for you, but you're never going to get there by just omitting information. And when I say lying on check-ins, that includes omitting information. I send my clients a very specific script. And for those of you who are looking for what a coach might ask for, it sounds a lot like this. Weight, 
general photos to show us front, back, and side shots. Maybe we're taking a look at bloating, trouble areas that you said that you wanted to see reduction in during a specific amount of time, even posture that we're looking at as you're standing there when you may be recovering from an injury. Then we have diet deviations, cardio deviations, workout deviations, sleep per night average, water per day average, bathroom regularity, and life and work issues, mainly for the cortisol spikes. All of those things play a factor, and it's still not a full picture. If you're purposefully getting to the part that says diet deviations and just omitting it, guy, I've been doing this now for almost a decade. I know you skipped it. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to shoot an email right back at you going, what happened to the diet part? Even then, I know, I'd say probably 95% of the time, it wasn't omitted on accident. You skipped it on purpose. So now I know that not only did something happen, and I'm already anticipating what I'm looking for in terms of digestion ratios, whether or not it was a one to two day thing or an all week thing, but I now know that you might not be being honest with me. So now I'm going to be all over your case because I need to know that the information I'm receiving is not just accurate, but that the information I'm giving you back can not only be accurate, but safe for you. And that together we can make the change to make you a better whatever your end result wanted to be, right? So then we say, okay, here's our check-in. Intake form looks good. But throughout the week, coaches might be asking you for details during the workouts. Progress videos to see if your weight choice, depth, and form is where it's supposed to be especially for powerlifting and strongman competitors, progressions in through the block to make sure that the bar path is good, to make sure that you're utilizing in terms of alterations of center of gravity the right way, to make sure that we could actually prescribe you the correct version of something. Let's say squatting, right? If we take a look at your high bar squat and notice that you're quitting for a specific purpose because the bar path looks great, but it's just digging into your spine or you can't keep the bar over the direct path that it needs to be in terms of the arch of your foot or you're not digging into your heels, we may recommend a variation of the same exact exercise that may blow your progress out of the water. And yet people feel self-conscious or they just don't want to do it. Self-conscious is a difficult one. I get that. But here's the thing. Nothing makes you more self-conscious than continuously feeling uncomfortable in your own skin or continuously feeling like you're not progressing in terms of your knowledge base when it comes to something that you want to be good at. And by that, I mean, no one became a great power lifter by just analyzing themselves in their own head from the perspective of, I don't have any videos to go off of, so I think that looked good. I know world-class athletes, world's strongest man competitors, some of the greatest natural and enhanced bodybuilders on the planet. They all have coaches. I had coaches, and even though I don't now, I hire opposing coaches. If I need help with something in terms of a dietary restriction that I'm, I'm not seeing the results from or something like that, I reach out to my professional coach friends and I freaking pay them to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. If I just decided not to do that, and blame something else in terms of why it's not working, not only am I not getting any better, but I'm sort of masking the problem, which is I don't know why I'm not seeing the result of my math equation in terms of intake and expenditure or the math equation in terms of percentages of increase when it comes to strength sports. I don't really understand what the motivation could be to not get your coach the most amount of information. 
right? On the other side, we have what I call paralysis by analysis. Here's the major issue. When you have too much information, especially if you're not an expert in centering yourself like a Zen master, the problem then becomes too much information You're trying to analyze what could be the one reason that you're not seeing the results. It's basically like saying, I know there's one thing here that's holding me back. And with all this information, I'm going to look at the line like, you know, uh, uh, a superhero and be able to go, that's it. I'm suddenly a secret agent that could look at all the information, all the papers strewn about the desk. And that one little red letter pokes out and I go... Oh my God, it's going to be a nuclear attack. And then the entire series changes. I'm watching Jack Ryan on Amazon. Not a sponsor, by the way. I just like the show. In any case, think about it this way, guys. Too much information when you don't even know what most of it means to you or how it's going to alter your end results can absolutely cause you to start analyzing one section when we're already three sections ahead. The worst part of it is most of the time, If I get that information supplied to me and I explain it to someone, there are times when they'll keep digging into it and at the end come to the same end result two weeks later going, hey, you know, you were right, X, Y, Z. While I'm not saying don't get a second opinion or take everybody on their word, if you don't trust the person you hired to do the job, maybe you didn't hire the right person. And if every person you hire is suddenly not the right person for the job, Well, the only common denominator is you. So maybe you got to let the reins go a little bit and trust the person that you said you were going to trust in the first place. And in doing that means supplying the information they need, letting them explain it to you, which by the way, ask all the questions you need. But when it's sufficiently been explained, then it's time to do the work. Don't paralyze yourself with so many metrics that you can't make heads or tails of it. Look at the important pieces and look at trends and see how close you can get to your goal without causing yourself this massive amount of anxiety that you don't have a master's or a PhD in understanding every article that you read on NCBHI or, uh, you know, every single thing that comes across Squat University or, uh, you know, Dr. Mike Isratel's Instagram, they're going to explain it to you because that's what good coaches do. And if what you want is an explanation and your coach won't give it to you, well, that's a different story and you should go listen to part one of this two-part episode. Now, as we supply this information to you as coaches, another main thing that we see is, and I'll use this as a very specific example. There are some people who are not comfortable doing certain compound lifts. No problem. I understand that. However, there are variations that you can do that may lead you in the direction of being more comfortable with those things. So if someone says to me, I need bigger legs, I want to have bigger quads, I want to have bigger glutes, I want to have better hamstrings, I want to be able to perform a lot better in terms of my functionality. And we say, okay, well, the only way to do that is to ensure that your progress in terms of strength and making sure that your safety in terms of weight loads is correct. You have to practice this compound lift, but I'm not going to throw you to the wolves right away. I think you should do a Smith machine variation in terms of a squat, or I think you should do a safety squat or a leg press. 
And that person will go, well, I've always stayed away from those things because that amount of weight scares me. Is there anything else we can do? Bitch. No. And when I say no, it's not because we don't want to supply you with something that makes you comfortable. But what I am here to tell you is this. You hired me or anybody else in terms of a coach to ensure that they're giving you new modalities because you stalled or they're a subject matter expert and know the best way forward to get you what you want in terms of your goal. It would basically be like being a rookie on the New York Giants and looking at Brian Dable, go big blue, and saying, hey, I know you want Saquon to start this run play in terms of us really being in the red zone and we might be able to get this touchdown, but I'm going to be honest, man. I think we should go for a field goal. No one asked you. You asked to be on the Giants and now the coach is telling you what to do. Maybe you should just try it. And then if it doesn't work, we can all powwow in the locker room afterward and you can ream us a new one in terms of the fact that it didn't work. I'm not saying that every coach is infallible, by the way. But there are times when we'll supply people brand new workouts for the first time and they'll go, well, you know, I don't really like working chest and I know that it's really important if I want to do powerlifting, but is there any way we could only do like flies and then that's it? No, that's not how it works. Or I really want to lose a lot of weight and I know that expenditure is important in the gym, but is there any way I could just walk around my neighborhood and lose a lot of weight? By the way, I'm the first to say, yes, you probably could do that. But the exponential time frame that it would cost for you to be able to do that, you wouldn't be happy with how long it took just to see that result. Any movement is great. I'm all for it. If you're a sedentary lifestyle person and you sit on the couch all day playing video games and getting up and walking around the neighborhood is the most that you can do right now, and kill it. And I can't wait to see you walking. And every time you do, I'm going to yell, go, go, go. But if you've been doing that for two years and you're trying to lose 20 pounds and you're two pounds in, it's time to try something new, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Because again, I've never been more uncomfortable than when I'm trying to be something and I'm purposefully and actively sabotaging myself to ensure that it doesn't happen and then waking up the next day and ensuring I'm the exact same way that I was uncomfortable yesterday, maybe even a little bit worse. It's time to try new things. New things get you the new thing that you want. And if you've already been there and you're furthering yourself away from it, it's time to try something new because the old stuff just clearly isn't working. Here's my favorite part of that. The it's not working. I hired a coach. I decided to try something new and it's starting to work. But my friend Jimmy says that I should go vegan. My friend Jane says that I shouldn't be eating this much red meat. My friend John says that deadlifting is really uncomfortable for your back and actually very dangerous. My other friend says that women, sh women shouldn't be doing barbell bench press. Here's your peanut gallery, ladies and gentlemen. People who have no knowledge base, no certification, and come in like a Monday morning quarterback knowing how they should have won the game, even though they have no information on what came before it or what's going to come after it. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's read a forum on bodybuilding.com and everybody has their favorite article from muscular development and men's fitness and women's health. Listen, the worst part of this is everyone 
and every coach will tell you this, everyone is different in terms of how they react to almost everything. We know a lot about exercise physiology. We know very little about nutrition, by the way, in terms of the human race and how it affects us. We do know a lot in terms of how it affects general health, but in terms of the intricacies of how it's going to affect each individual person, we know very little. For someone who not just isn't certified, but who doesn't know you very intricately and wasn't hired to help you, to come in and go, listen, I've heard you talking for about 30 and a half seconds, and I'll tell you right now, blood type diet, dude. Blood type diet, bro. That's what it is, man. You know what you should be doing? You should be doing paleo. My brother, my brother, see, he was overweight, and he did it, lost 46 pounds. I mean, he only ate once a day and, and went to CrossFit three times a day, and then, you know, he wound up in the hospital. But doesn't matter, dude. I'm telling you right now, paleo diets where it's shut the hell up. All of these roads are different roads to the same end. And some of them are safer and healthier than others, by the way. But I'm not here to judge your way forward. What I am here to tell you is, if you hired a coach and the peanut gallery is telling you, hey, you know what you should do? You may be able to ask your coach, turn around and say to them, my friend said this. I, I am very clear with my clients in going, hey, that's very cool that your friend brought that up. Here's why I don't think it's a good idea and I don't think it would work. If you're doing that seven days out of the week where every day is a new modality you want to try because your friend said they read an article from a magazine that was 10 years old in the waiting room of their primary care physician and they're already in the obese category as it is. Listen, we're more than willing to explain why it works and why it doesn't work. But it doesn't mean that every single person has the silver bullet that's going to cure you. We as educated professionals don't always have that. And sometimes even then, if we did have it, it takes a little bit of tweaking to make sure that it works the way it's supposed to. Silence the peanut gallery. Progress takes time, effort, and a lot of scientific knowledge in terms of background. Please, if what you're doing is hiring a subject matter expert, be communicative with them, but trust them. That includes allergies, injuries, and things that you consider yourself averse to. It's very funny how when something is mentioned on a major podcast or television show, which thank God some of those are falling by the wayside. I can't tell you how much the doctors and Dr. Oz, these shills for, you know, shitty products that they were invested in were just telling people these things were going to change. I never understood, by the way. Sorry to go off on a tangent here, but why the hell are you going to listen to a guy who was called in front of Congress multiple times for being a fraud, then admitted that these things had no scientific backing and that he was a fraud and then went back on his television show on Monday and started selling concentrated vitamin D stickers to his following the next. I, I, I never understand it. I digress. Here's the thing, guys. Allergies, aversions, and diseases need to be diagnosed by a medical professional. So if you get in your intake form and tell me you have celiac disease and my first question is, when did your physician diagnose you and you say I never went? I'm sorry, I am not going to just load you up on gluten, but I'm going to recommend that you go to a physician before we even start, or I'm going to ask you to elaborate in terms of what your aversion to that is. True story. I once had a girl tell me that she was allergic to eggs, dairy, gluten, 
and certain oils. So I made as much of a diet as I possibly could have. And as I'm writing and I'm reading through more and more of her intake form, that also says that cheat meals are her problem. And her last two cheat meals were McDonald's and Pizza Hut. Girl, how are you supposed to be allergic to those things and you eat them twice a week currently and go to work the next day? I know people who have celiac disease where if they eat a half of a bagel, they nearly need to go to the hospital from how inflamed their midsection becomes and their intestines become so uncomfortable, walking around becomes a chore. But you snarf down an entire large pizza from Pizza Hut and you're just fucking going to the gym afterward and going to the work the next day going, ugh, my celiac disease is acting up. No, it's not. That's you passing a whole pizza. If you're allergic to something or you have a disease and a doctor didn't tell you you have it, you have an inkling that you may have an aversion to something. You don't have a disease. If a doctor told you you are averse to something and you're still eating it in your cheat meals, and when I say cheat meals, I really mean these people who literally are told that they're gluten intolerant and yet they eat burgers and bagels every single day, and your coach tries to cut it out and you want to put it back in, I mean, how many times are we going to bang our head against the wall before we tell you, listen, you're purposefully sabotaging yourself and making yourself uncomfortable for, by the way, a delicious treat, but still, it's your health you're talking about, your comfortability on a daily basis. Again, I'm not saying these diseases don't exist. I'm a believer in absolute science, and if the data is there and you can prove causation, man, I want to hear all about it, and I'm going to make sure that I supply that information to my clients. But if you're the client and you think that you know more than a doctor because you ate a bagel and got a stomach ache, sit down. Just just sit down. As we come to the end of this, though, guys, all of those things are annoying to coaches. But there's one thing that I save till the end on purpose because it's self-destructive, and that's negative self-talk. There are certain clients that I cannot help because even though they're seeing progress, and even though they're getting what they want, the beginning or the end of their check-in is, I mean, it's okay, I guess, but still fat. I mean, these progress pictures are okay, but wish my abs looked better. I'm really happy with my strength in the gym, but I'm still weak and everybody else is probably stronger than me. Guys, everybody wants to be somebody else. Don't get me wrong. Every day I wake up and look in the mirror and I'm me, I'm happy. Call me Lizzo because I'm feeling myself. But here's the thing. I can go to a powerlifting meet and see Moody bench nearly 600 pounds and go, I wish I could do that. I'm looking at something and going, I would like to do that. And then I go home and say, dude, I'm creating a bench program. I want my bench to be closer to 400. Forget 300. I want 400. It wasn't negative self-talk that got me there. It was the fact that I knew enough to go, I have a goal. I want to accomplish it. Now I'm going to go home and implement a plan. That's not negative self-talk. When people say I'm motivated by negative feedback, negative feedback is you lost three pounds this week. Your abs are showing. Your, your chest actually looks fuller. We're six weeks out, but we're three weeks ahead of schedule. But you know what? I really don't like the fact that you had three sips of your wife's Diet Coke when you didn't have your water on you. No cheat meal this week. What? 
That negative feedback loop is not good. It's ensuring that you are not happy ever. Because we, when people say progress, not perfection, right? I know we overuse that. But the thing is, what I just described wasn't progress. That was a light speed jump in terms of the fact that you're ahead of schedule. You stuck to just about everything. And the only deviation was a calorie-free sip of something that was sugar-free. Dude, I'm considering that a win. If every time you're that close to perfect, you're still not happy, you're never going to be happy. And then you're going to start producing self-destructive qualities where even when there's no show in sight, even when you're not entering the next powerlifting meet, you're still in there trying to pull a one rep max every other week and blowing your back out and wondering why you're so miserable. I know that a lot of people feel like what made people the best, and this is the example I give people. That people think what made others the best was highlighting the negatives on themselves to make themselves feel like shit to work harder. Arnold Schwarzenegger once said that he needed to build bigger calves. So he cut all of the bottoms of his pants off so that everyone would see his weak point. And everybody goes, that's why I talk to myself in a negative manner. Because just like Arnold, I need to highlight the negatives so that I can be a better person. Arnold once wore a shirt on camera that said, Arnold is numero uno. This motherfucker was not talking negative about himself. He highlighted a thing that he felt needed more progress while inflating his ego thinking he was, which arguably he probably was, the most transformative person in bodybuilding history. He didn't have negative self-talk. What he did was highlighted something he wanted changed like in my scenario in terms of a bench press, I'm going to share my shit bench press videos until they get better. But I'm not in the comments section or in the body of the post going, well, my this is my shit bench. I, I hope nobody watches it. No, I'm posting it because I want tips. I want people to see it. And I want people to see the struggle so that they know we all have those struggles and that we're all trying to make it. But I don't then get out of the gym and go, that's why my wife's probably going to leave me. There's plenty of other reasons why my wife is probably going to leave me, but a shitty bench press is not one of them. Negative self-talk doesn't help. Highlighting things you're not happy with because you want to change them is a very different story. So if you start a message, even in your own head to yourself going, this is why you deserve X, or this is why nobody will X, cut that out, man. I believe in you. And if I believe in you, you got to believe in you. And if you don't believe in you, nobody's going to believe in you. But what I do believe is that you should like, subscribe, and comment below. Guys, have a happy holidays. And remember, check out NutriBio for all your supplement needs. Check out BGFitOnline.com for all your coaching needs. I'll see you guys in the new year. United States of America, signing off.